This podcast is brought to you by the Administrative Committee of the Presbyterian Church in America, promoting the unity, purity, and progress of the church. Learn more about the Administrative Committee and support its work by visiting PCAAC.org. Welcome to Gifts and Graces. All Christians have communion in each other's gifts and graces, says the Westminster Confession. So on this podcast, we help you and your church benefit from the gifts and graces of other parts of Christ's body. Each episode, we bring you a seminar, sermon, or discussion from church leaders across the country and around the world designed to promote the unity, purity, and progress of the church. This is Gifts and Graces. On this episode of Gifts and Graces, we get to hear from Reverend John Medlock as he shares about the value of providing pastors rest through sabbaticals. John is Geneva Benefits Group's Vice President of People and Culture. This episode was originally recorded as a seminar delivered at the 2023 General Assembly and sponsored by Dort. Let's listen as John shares his insights on the importance of providing sabbatical opportunities and resources on how to execute them. Thank you so much, Rachel, and thank you all for being here. Uh, Just very, very briefly, Geneva Benefits Group serves the, the denomination... Um, in kind of three or four ways. First is in the areas of financial help. We offer financial planning, retirement planning services to help PCA pastors and ministry workers prepare uh, for a lifetime of financial health. We also pursue physical health. We offer a slate of insurance products to help you and your family uh, be protected. And then finally, more and more, we are we're moving into the space of helping pastors and ministry workers in the area of emotional health. So, for instance, we have a counseling and a coaching benefit. And um, as, as Bob Burns reminded me earlier, it's probably worth me just mentioning that we recently received a million-dollar grant from the Lilly Endowment, and we're using that to, to build out some programs to help the holistic well-being of PCA pastors and ministry workers. So... Um, A lot going on. We're very excited about that. And it's in the area of emotional health that I want to focus today as we think about the idea of sabbaticals. And sabbaticals are one important um, contributor to emotional and holistic health for clergy. And what I want to talk to you about today is what does it look like? Kind of give you a framework for what does it look like to plan and execute a very fruitful sabbatical. Um, and I, th- this is going to be a, hopefully a little bit interactive along the way. But um, yeah, I'd love to hear, have you participate me. And um, the way we're going to start off doing that is with um, an interactive survey. You can use your phone to do this. This gets a little confusing. So to participate, text... That's the phone number. That's the message. Okay? So the phone number is 22333, and the message is John M. 933. And that, you're only going to have to do that once. 
That's what it'll look like on your phone. If you have an, I, an iPhone, that's what it's going to look like. You only have to do it once. You should then get that response message, and then you're on. And then you can interact with the questions that I ask um, over the next few slides. And I'm hopeful this will be, this will be, this will be interesting, because we have some research on this, and so I'm going to be interested in how this group compares to the PCA as a whole. So first of all, a test question to just get started. All right? So what is your favorite baseball team? St. Louis Cardinals, Atlanta Braves, LA Dodgers, Memphis Redbirds, or none of the above? Wow. Interesting results. I know there's at least one Dodger fan in the room. I know it, I know it for a fact. All right, well, um, interesting. So only 12% of you are true believers. That's really odd for the General Assembly. Um, okay, so the Braves, that's an acceptable answer. We're from Atlanta, so we'll accept that one. The Dodgers, again, I, I'm confused. Memphis Redbirds, also, obviously, perfectly acceptable answer. None of the above. Interesting. We have a, we have a diverse fandom in the room. All right, that's really just to get you used to how the app works and to, to let you see how it's going to report uh, the findings. So let's go on to an actual question. So if you, uh, oh, by the way, before I do this one, just a quick show of hands. Who, who, how many people in the room are, are pastors? Okay, so three-fourths of the room. Ruling elders, the re- almost the remaining one-fourth. And then how many are, are just other non-ordained folks that are interested? One or two or three. Okay. So do you or your pastor have access to a sabbatical? So if you're a pastor, answer it for yourself. If you're not, answer it for your pastor to the extent that you know. So this is very, this is very, very interesting to me because this data is almost exactly inverse from the data for PCA pastors across the board. So we know that 70% of PCA pastors do not have access to a sabbatical. And of the 30% who do, about half of those were what I call crisis sabbaticals. They were taken at a point in time when the pastor was literally about to burn out and there was no other choice. In other words, only about 15% of our pastors have access to a sabbatical in a way that is planned, thoughtfully executed, and worked into the rhythms of their call. So I'm encouraged by this room. I'm wondering if you all self-selected in because of the topic and you were, you were interested. But for whatever reason, that, that's a very interesting number, and I'm, and I'm encouraged for this group. That's really good. Um, all right. So... If you answered yes to that question, if you, if you answered no to that question, sit this one out. But if you're one of the folks who has access to a sabbatical or have taken one, was it a... Oh, wait, I, messed, I wrote this question wrong. I just see that. All right, let's, um, <laughs> let's say... Thank you. Let's say answer A if it was a planned sabbatical and B if it was an emergency sabbatical. Okay? A, if it was a planned sabbatical, and B, if it was an emergency or a crisis sabbatical. So about 
um, of planned sabbaticals. So that's, again, that's, that's really good. That's the way you want to do it, um, if you can. And if you need an emergency sabbatical, by all means, take one. But um, our goal is to see sabbaticals normalized, to see them worked into the, just to the rhythms of pastoral life. Um, and by the way, I'm going to caveat myself here. I have framed this whole presentation towards pastors because that's the audience. This applies with almost equal clarity to non-ordained folks, especially to public-facing ministry folks. So you're going to hear me say pastor a lot, but if you're an unordained ministry person, you can transfer a lot of this to you, and, and, it'll, and it'll still apply. So, Okay, finally this. This is, a, this is a fill in the blank. You can just answer by texting your, your words. What do you think some of the barriers to a sabbatical are? And you can answer more than once on this. So you can, you can give two or three if you care to. So, wait, it's okay. You can, you can shout them out. Say it again. What are, Financial health of the church. Mm-hmm. Finances. It's definitely a big one. The cost of pulpit supply and backfilling all the pastor's duties that he abandons. Especially, so the vast majority of PCA churches are small, um, one pastor, and sometimes even just one employee churches. So if you've got a staff of pastors, it's, it's much easier in that regard, but most of our churches don't have that, and so that's reality. Um, pulpit, I see cost, I see coverage. Um, yeah, yeah, so there's, as you can see, it is not hard at all for us to name a number of significant barriers to a sabbatical. And that's real. They're not always easy for churches to, to, to take. They're not always easy to, to figure out, even if everybody's supportive of it, right? So a little bit of prolegomena before we dive into the real framework. And I, I actually, this is very interesting. As I have been doing some research on this, and I've been talking to pastors and churches about this, and even our own staff, someone finally came up to me and said, John, what do you mean by sabbatical? How is it different than a vacation? And as I, I, I stumbled out an answer, but I realized I hadn't actually clearly articulated a definition, and so we need to do that. And so here, here is... Here's how I will define a sabbatical for the purposes of of our time today. A sabbatical is an extended vocational leave during which pastors disengage from the unique pressures of ministry life to experience deep rest and a season of reflection, growth, and renewal for the next season of ministry. Here's Here's an analogy. The difference between a vacation, even a really good vacation, and a sabbatical is the difference between spring break and the first day of summer when you're a kid. Okay? Think about it. Spring break, that's great. Vacation from school. But you still got work and you know you're going back and that, that, that grade is still hanging over your head. And you have fun while you're at the beach, but... You know, Sunday comes and you're right back at it. But you remember how you felt the first day of summer break? And you were able to just say, something like that is going on. There's a season where you you really do take an extended leave, right? 
And, and I'm going to unpack some of these concepts as we move along, but I, I, that's, that's what I mean by sabbatical. All right. The next question is sabbaticals, why? And again, I'm going to say very, I'm going to talk about this very, very briefly. There's a lot to be said about this, and I'm not going to say it all here today um, because I do want to get into the, the framework for planning. But why sabbaticals? Well, two big points. Number one, sabbaticals are biblical. Uh, God made rest. He built it into the structure of the world. Think about what happened in Genesis 2 at the very end after God created all things. He said it was very good, and he rested. Right? And so our infinite God rested at the end of his first work week. Um, and, he, and he wants us to rest too, but unfortunately, we don't always rest the way we should. Friends, we are workaholics. Friends, we are idolaters of success and achievement and productivity and efficiency. And sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that we have to justify ourselves by the things that we do. And so God wrote rest into the law. And you all know as well as I do that it's in both um, instances of the Ten Commandments. You're aware of the, the, the command that, that Moses gives in Exodus 23 for the land to rest, to lie fallow every seven years for the release of debts every seven years, for the release of slaves that were indentured servants every seven years, and even the jubilee every 50 years. So God wrote rest into the law. He was like, when you obey me, don't forget to do this, and it will go well with you. It's also part of our redemption. Jesus embodies rest, and Jesus gives rest. Think of the instances when Jesus withdrew from the crowds to rest and to pray, sometimes alone, sometimes with his disciples. Think of Jesus' words in Matthew 11 where he says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, you know, and he, even, he even speaks of the Sabbath, and he says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, this thing that God's giving you, this, this, this season of rest is... It's a gift to you. It's not a burden. And finally, Sabbath rest anticipates the new creation. Um, in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews says this, there remains a Sabbath rest, like it's coming in the future, a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God rested from his. And the way I understand that verse is, Whenever we obey God by taking meaningful rest, this is a glimpse of the day when Jesus returns to make all things, to make all things new and give rest to his creation. So, sabbaticals are biblical. Sabbaticals are also necessary. And here's um, the result of some research, some of it that we did and some of it that we drew from other sources. And the first, the first um, that I want to give you is from pastors at large. This is from what I think is probably the largest research project on American pastors that has ever been done by Matt Bloom at the University of Notre Dame. Um, he found that American pastors, 25% of them are, are currently in a state of burnout, and 25% more are dangerously close 
to burnout. And Bloom did his research right before COVID hit. So that was true in 2019. Imagine what that looks like today. We also have research from the PCA. So these are PCA-specific numbers. Um, I shared this earlier with our committee of commissioners. 70% of PCA pastors report that the, worth of, the work of ministry actively impedes their own spiritual growth. Um, for some people, that is nonsensical. Pastor, you get paid to read the scriptures and pray, and your job is to help other people grow spiritually. That sounds like an accountant saying that following the generally accepted accounting principles causes them to not be able to balance their own checkbook. And yet, when you talk to pastors about that, they will almost uniformly say, mm-hmm, yep. I, I, and as I've talked, and I've talked to a lot of pastors over the past two and a half years since we did this work, when you share that with them and begin to unpack it and talk with them, people will say things like, okay, and you're, now you're reading my diary. Like, as you're naming something that feels deeply true to me. So that is a, that is a very real thing. Um, and then I, I shared this earlier when we were looking at our stats. Only 30% only 30% of our guys have access to a sabbatical, and a lot of those were, were crisis sabbaticals. So sabbaticals are necessary. So sabbaticals are biblical. Sabbaticals are necessary. Lots more to say about both of those. But this is the guts of what I want to talk about today, and that is sabbaticals how. Um, what does it look like to plan a sabbatical? Well, the big idea is plan backwards. Start with the end in mind, right? And so the first thing you do, and, and friends, I'm as bad about this as anybody else, and I, I know how we are. I know how we are. We think we got a project we want to do, and the first thing we want to do is dive in and start doing it. And we want to, you know, so we, we got a sabbatical. We want to plan our time. We want to figure out where we're going. We want to do all this stuff. And what I encourage guys to do is, if you can do it, don't stop. Before you ever plan one minute of your sabbatical, think about what you want to achieve. What are your goals? Um, you know, what, what, if, this, if this sabbatical turns out really well, what just happened? Next, think about how you're going to assess your goals. How are you going to know if they've been met? And then you're ready to plan your time. Then you're ready to figure out what you're going to do, where you're going to go, etc. So, um... I would like to unpack each of those for you. But before I do, all along the way, as you plan your goals, as you think about assessment, and as you plan your time, you should be having two parallel conversations. The first is a conversation with your family, okay? And this, this is going to sound like the most duh thing to say, but I have to say it. Don't forget your spouse and your family. So I, not too long ago, I was working with a, with a guy, and I was helping him think through his sabbatical, and, I, and he told me this elaborate plan that he had to rent an RV and go to all these state parks and travel around the region. And this was a, this was a guy with a, with, a, with a wife and four young kids. And I said, okay, that, that sounds really good. What does your wife think about that? And he said, and, and 
he, and he, he immediately got it, right? He was immediately, he was like, oh man, I did it again. I just jumped into planning mode and I forgot, I just didn't even think about that. So this is my reminder to you. Most of you have a spouse. A lot of you have kids. They are stake, important stakeholders, really important stakeholders. Don't forget that you have them. And then as you do, account for their varied desires. Maybe you have the goal to read extensively and do some writing. But maybe your, right, your wife has a goal for you to really spend more committed, connected time, unstructured time together. Well, those two things could really be in conflict. So I'm going to say more about specific goals in a minute, but just think through, negotiate collaboratively how you're going to spend your time, right? Collaborate and negotiate. All right. At the same time that you're having planning conversations, you should also be having leadership conversations. Don't forget the church. Because the sabbatical is a season for the church to grow in addition for the season, a season for you to be refreshed and grow. And so have a conversation with your leadership team. How can the church benefit and grow while I'm gone? How can we grow in our ability to do shared ministry? How can the, uh, like, right? I was having a conversation with someone literally earlier today, and they said to me, like, what, someone made the, made the joke, like, oh, while you're gone, we have to be a DIY church. And the answer is, yep, you sure do. And it'll be good for you. Because you'll learn, you'll, you'll flex leadership and ministry muscles that you haven't used in a long time. You'll be required to step up and volunteer to do important ministry tasks that maybe you offloaded to the pastor before. And you will grow in empathy for your pastor because you'll start understanding a little bit more about how difficult this job is. And then when you all come back together, you'll, you will each have that, that, that shared experience. All right. So, all, so what I'm about to say, these two conversations should be happening first and foremost as you, as you think about your goals. So what do you hope to achieve on your sabbatical? The way I encourage guys to get into this conversation is to ask or throw out probing questions, right? So if the sabbatical is successful, what has happened? What do we hope to accomplish? How do we hope to grow? How will life and ministry be different if this sabbatical is successful? What specific needs do we think we have? What will be life-giving to us? And then maybe ask trusted others, a mentor, a close confidant. Right? So just start the process with those kinds of, of questions. I already, already kind of mentioned this, but negotiate goals collaboratively with your stakeholder. Again, guys, I just, I'm, I'm a PCA pastor. I, I am us, and I know how we are. We tend to go into our study, close the door, and just in isolation begin to work on stuff. And my encouragement to you is, like, let this be a, a collaborative conversation with trusted others. Yes, I will. 
Um, and I'm trying to think of a way that I can even email some of this stuff out to you guys. But So I said, if the sabbatical is successful, what has happened? By the way, I'm re I'll, to repeat the question for the re recording, he just asked me to repeat that list of questions. So if the sabbatical is successful, what has happened? What do we hope to accomplish? How do we hope to grow? How will life and ministry be different if this sabbatical is successful? What will be life-giving to us? And what do trusted others say? Yeah. Take your, as you ask these questions, take your time. This is not a one-evening conversation, ideally. This is, this is something, and you know, I, I think if you can start planning a year in advance, that's great. If you've got six months, take it. But take as much time as you need to really live with this and pray about it and circle back around to it and like let, so, that you're, so that you're really confident at the end of the day, like, yeah, we, we've got, we, th we think we understand. And then what you're going for is three to four specific, actionable, measurable goals. So, you know, rest, super important part of sabbatical. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But that's too vague. Articulate some things so that you'll, so that you'll know and an, and an interested observer will be able to tell, oh, yeah, I can see that you actually did that. Take the first three weeks of my sabbatical away from my hometown and get off of all electronic communications in a venue where we can rest and recreate doing something that was life-giving to me and my spouse. That, that I can tell if you've done. Okay? Um, the point that I'm making about measurable is so that they're clear enough that you know that you've done them. That's the point. The point of measurable is clarity. Because if you, if you say, I'm going to take three months and rest, again, I mean, again I'm going to convey another conversation I had with a different pastor earlier today who said, hey, can you help me think through how to fill my time in between the few things that I do have planned that I know I want to accomplish? And, and this is the conversation I'm going to have with him. So, absolutely, this is not the new legalism. This is meant to be a, a, an absolute means of grace. And so, measurable leads to clarity and guidance. It, doesn't, it should not lead to the kind of stifling to-do list that you just cautioned us against. And so, I'll endorse every word you just said, for sure. Amen. All right. My final thing about goals is I encourage guys to publish them, by which I mean write them down. And I'm, and I'm going to talk about this more in a minute, but there's a time at which I'm going to encourage you to literally tell the church what they are. Okay? And there's a reason for this. And it's transparency, and, it's, and it also helps people to understand what the sabbatical is. If the, if the congregation is sitting there thinking, wait a minute. We, we already give him four weeks of vacation. Now we're giving him three months. Like, what's going on? The 
the ability to say, oh no, I, this is a different thing than a vacation, and here's what, we're, here's what we're trying to accomplish, and here's how we're gonna try to do it, that can be really reassuring to a congregation, so. All right, G goals. Next is assessment. How do you know if you've met your goals? Um, think through that, ask yourself that question, ask others that question. There's, there's basically kind of two different ways that I see to do this. Some goals are very subjective, right? And, and again, rest is one of those. Well, I don't have a, you know, my, my phone has a little battery charger and I can tell how much juice it has left in it and needs to be plugged in and we don't have that. And so you gotta ask me. And we have to have a conversation. And I can show you some things that I've done to seek rest. But ultimately, it's, it's, it's qualitative data, right? It's people telling their story. And also, if you want to know if I rested during a season, ask my wife. Because I might not tell you the full truth, but you know who will? And who will know, right? So that's what I mean by qualitative data. So some goals... They're going to have to be probed and discussed and asked, and that's fine. And then some goals are going to have are going to be somewhat objective. You're going to be able to tell, to, you know, whether you did the thing or not. So just that's that's think through that. And then f now it's time to design the time. When you've gone through that exercise, now you're ready to sit down and say, okay, what are we going to do? And the first the first thing I'm going to say is get creative. Um, what you're trying to do is plan activities and how you spend your time, because it's not, again, to your point earlier, sir, it's not all doing and accomplishing, but you're trying to design your time in ways that are helping you meet the specific goals. Hope, hopefully, as you plan your time, you can you can say, oh, when I do this, that's helping me meet that goal. And when I do this, it's helping me meet that, oh, it, that one helps me meet two goals or something like that. So you're planning each element to meet a goal. You're publishing your plan. I said that twice. And then here, here's a, this is kind of a rule of thumb, but I think it's a pretty good one. And this is something else that di distinguishes a clergy sabbatical form, for instance, an academic sabbatical. As a rule of thumb, a good sabbatical should contain a healthy season of rest, some opportunity to travel, and then something that I'm calling a learning project, and I'm going to elaborate on that in a minute, so just... Hold on to that. I'm actually going to elaborate all, th all three of those right now. So rest. Believe it or not, this is one of the hardest things to, to convince pastors that they have to do, and that is to totally step away from their ministry. You don't, don't you certainly don't worship with your church. You don't get emails, you don't take texts, you don't receive phone calls, you don't get called in for decisions. You are disengaged from your church. 
And then you're dedicating, in my opinion, early on, at least several weeks to, to, the, to, be, to be still and know that I am God, however you need to do that. And it, it's different for different people, which is another reason I encourage you to plan it, but figure out what you need to really rest. Based on some of the things I've read, it takes different pastors between three to five weeks to get to the point where their head and their heart are actually disengaged from the, just the background white noise that is concern for the ministries of the church and care for your people. And you all know what that white noise sounds like. Um, by the way, this is one of the reasons it's important to have enough time for your sabbatical. Like a three-week sabbatical is not enough because you'll get to the end of three weeks. You'll just have d- disconnected. Now you're at the point where you can actually reflect and renew and do something meaningful, and you've got to go back. Travel. Um, travel's important for a number of reasons. Number one, new settings enhance rests. This is, I mean, you do know this from vacation, right? Even if you're at the beach for a week, for a few days, it's just so much easier to rest. So travel, new settings enhance rests. New settings bring you new perspectives, new perspectives on people, new perspectives on the world and on God's good creation, new perspectives on worship as you're worshiping in a different congregation and, for a lot of guys, in a different tradition. Um, So that's something that travel helps. I I have to say this a lot because some people hear travel and they think I mean, well, you, you have to spend a month on the Scottish Highlands. Well, no. I mean, if you can, if you can swing that, man, God bless you. Go for it. But a lot of us can't, and that's understandable. And so what I mean is not fancy just away. Maybe your brother-in-law has a cabin at the lake that he'll let you spend some time at. Maybe, you know, maybe you can, maybe you can go visit relatives that you, get, that you get along with somewhere for a few weeks. I, you know, again, the get creative piece comes here. Uh, maybe your travel is, is just some periodic trips to different places that you want to go to. Again, for different people, it looks different. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be super expensive. It is important to, to exit your context. And then finally, a, what I'm calling a learning project some kind of life-giving activity that will help you learn and grow that is not your day job, okay? This is really important. You do not go away on sabbatical and plan your next six months of sermons. You do not go away on sabbatical to do strategic planning for your church, You do not go on sabbatical to figure out leadership training and leadership development for your elder board. You're not on sabbatical if you're doing that. You're working. And there's such a thing as a study leave, and it is a beautiful thing if you need it, but that ain't a sabbatical. So maybe you you just really always wanted to read the church fathers, and you you just don't have time with your busy sermon writing schedule, right? Maybe you're interested in writing. 
I, I would caution you about reading and writing because pastors do so much reading and writing as a part of their job that for it, it could that could easily veer into day job territory. Um, maybe you want to take a class and learn something new. Maybe you're maybe you want you, you have maybe you're a lifelong woodworker and you just want to tackle that piece that you love to build and you can't justify taking the time. But some sort of some sort of life-giving, restorative, renewing project that will help you learn and grow and while it's also helping you be refreshed, okay? And again, not your day job, exclamation point. Okay. So that's the planning framework. Plan backwards. Figure out your goals. How are you going to assess them? Use that to help you plan your time. And as you do, have those parallel conversations with your family and your leadership team. So before the sabbatical, early and often, begin to, begin to name it. Hey, friends, we don't have all the details yet, but in the summer of 2024, you know, Pastor Smith is, and his family are going to be going on sabbatical. And as we know more, we're going to start telling you more, but we want to prepare you. Okay? The second thing is anticipate questions and concerns, which is what um, my friend there just did. Right? He thought, like, oh, when I say that, this is how my congregation is going to react. I need to think about that ahead of time. Um, my short answer to your question is, as they understand the difficulties of pastoral work and the, the whole point that this is a renewal and refreshing season so that the pastor can come back refreshed and renewed for the next season of ministry, my hope is that they can begin to understand that. But anticipate other questions. How are we going to pay for this? Who's going to preach? How is pastoral care going to get done? What's going to happen if there's a funeral? Um, next, find a designated spokesperson that is not the pastor. When the pastor starts speaking about and advocating for his own sabbatical, he almost inevitably gets in a situation where he feels like he's self-serving. Like he feels like there's a built-in conflict of interest. So find someone else, one of your elder board or a, a respected person, some kind of a designated spokesman. I, I, I envision it will almost always be one of, the, one of the members of the session. And it's someone... I think you'll also find that that helps people answer the question of, like, why does he get to go do this? If you've got a, a trusted member of leadership saying, this is important and here's why, and we are doing this to care for our pastor, and here's how this is going to care for him, that helps answer those types of questions. Uh, give regular updates. As the time grows near, communicate a little bit more about what you're doing, and just... I envision it being like a save-the-date thing for a wedding. Early on, it's just marked on the calendar, but as the days get closer, there's, there's more and more information. Um, and so that's communication before the sabbatical. During the sabbatical, pastors, eliminate contact with the church. Um, this is 
this is really hard for pastors, but this is really important to me. If the minute you get a text or an email or get called in for a, com- a conversation, the gravitational pull of the ministry is going to suck you back into orbit, and you're going to destroy all of that hard work you did to disengage. So eliminate con- contact with the church. Leaders, protect the pastor and his family. Help the, the congregation understand the need for a boundary and help them enforce it. I'm going quickly because of time. Uh, both, there are, there are ways to do occasional updates. Um, pastors can shoot a video of them doing something and send it to the church, and that can get shown. They can, they can send an email to the church. Here's, here's what we're doing. Here's how you can pray for us. We're praying for you. Um, so that's communication during the sabbatical. I also encourage pastors to have one person who is a designated contact person in the event that there is a true emergency. If something dire happens, obviously the church needs to be able to call the pastor. But have one person who has that authority and negotiate ahead of time the kinds of things that are going to trigger that conversation. And let it be someone who's wise enough and discerning enough to usually say no. All right? And then finally this, bookend with celebrations. Uh, the departure should be a, a church party of some kind, however your church parties party. And send the pastor off with your blessing. This is where the pastor can share the goals and um, bring the church in on what they're doing and what, what they're trying to do. That helps the church understand and it helps the church pray for them. Right? So, and both. And we're praying for each other during this time. On reentry, Nothing is as gear grinding as a pastor who's gone for three months and then just shows up in the pulpit on Sunday morning, right? So the church needs to have another opportunity to welcome the pastor and his family home. This is where the pastor can share stories and talk about the things that, that, that they did and talk about their goals and reflect on how, how it went, right? Right? And then I, I think it's good practice to return one week early, worship in your church without preaching, but be present. And then the next day you can kind of resume your pastoral duties and now you're back on the clock. So something like that. Okay? All right. My time is running short, and so I'm just going to end here. Geneva can help. We do advocacy for pastors in a number of ways. Financial well-being, retirement readiness, call packages, and sabbatical planning and advocacy. So if you would like us to help you or your session or your church think through this, please don't hesitate to give us a call. That QR code will take you to a landing page on our website where you have sabbatical resources that you can download. We have a a one-page sabbatical checklist, and we have a 10-page, 10 or 11-page white paper that has a lot of the content that I just shared with you in it, and it's written up. Thank you all very much. This has been great. You all are awesome. You can hear more talks like this by subscribing to the Gifts and Graces podcast. You can also hear more content like this by attending a seminar at General Assembly. They are free and open to the public. Find out times and locations by visiting pcaga.org. Thanks for listening to Gifts and Graces.